We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Our special guest today is Tom Halloran, president and CEO of Fidelis Care, a health plan subsidiary of Centene Corporation. Fidelis Care serves more than 2.5 million members across all 62 counties of New York State. Tom is also Centene's Senior Vice President of Markets, overseeing the New Hampshire and New Jersey health plans, as well as New York. Prior to becoming CEO, Tom was EVP and Chief Financial Officer of Fidelis Care since 2007. You know a lot about leadership and finance, Tom. (laughs) What I appreciate most about you is your ambition for excellence and your humility. You know what you want for Fidelis Care, and you're always receptive to insights and ideas on how to get there. Welcome to ROG, Tom. Thank you, Shannon. Looking forward to it. Yes, me too. Let's jump right in. So your background is in finance and accounting. So in addition to financial giving and philanthropy, how do you see the parallels between finance and generosity? So um, I am an accountant by training, CPA. Uh, so a lot of much, much of what I do is through that lens of what's the return. Uh, much of that lens is spending time thinking about if I invest here, what do I think is the potential outcomes? And um, as I was thinking about preparing for this conversation, I think back to a conversation I had with a colleague of mine when I was at Arthur Anderson 25 years ago. I um, shared an office with this guy, Eddie, and Eddie looks and he goes, uh, I know, Hallery, when you sleep at night, you're thinking about debits and credits. Again, the accounting background. And he goes, what you really should be thinking about is givers and takers. Again, debits and credits equal, so givers and takers must equal. And then he hit me in the gut and he said, which one are you? And um, so 25 years later, I, I regularly ask myself that question, which one am I? And the reality is in life, you're both. But hopefully at the end of the day, I'm more of a net giver, a net giver of resources, time, uh, experiences. And uh, so when I think about it, um, I've certainly been a taker, particularly early on in my life, whether it's uh, getting guidance and uh, advice from parents, coaches, mentors, and the like. And then there's a point in time where in your career, in a life, you step back and say, okay, when is my time to be the net giver as opposed to the net taker? Mm. Wow, thank you for that. I think that's an interesting question for all of us to ask ourselves and to be curious about that. And then to know that those things net out and that also something you alluded to is the appropriateness of being a taker earlier in your career, that you need help and you need advice and coaching and guidance and somebody to give you a chance. And so there's a point in your career where that can turn itself around and you can be the one offering the support. So I love that. You are a generous leader. I've seen it in action. And I'm curious to know, where did some of that come from? Like, what are some examples of generosity in your life and career? Yes, I mean, you know, it starts at home. So son of immigrants. So parents focused on doing what they could for their kids, uh, particularly education. Much of their sacrifice was based on get educated, get get, uh, 
yourself in a position where mm-hmm. you're escalating through uh, society as a result of having education. And so parents, certainly teachers, uh, coaches that have spent the time and not afraid to give feedback. And, you know, there was times, as there always is, that I uh, wish I didn't hear it. Uh, I didn't want to mm-hmm. hear it. Um, but uh, I probably go back to my professional career where I started Arthur Anderson. And um, when you're in professional services, it is a mindset of um, developing people because the viewpoint is the seat you're sitting in, uh, you want to be sitting in your boss's seat three to five years from now. So in order to be there, you had to develop and uh, grow people that were behind you so that uh, you had the benefits. So I was very fortunate throughout my career where uh, in Anderson, people were willing to spend the time, um, spent a lot of time, a lot of uh, nights, uh, hotel rooms, traveling around the country. But, you know, when you have people and have the opportunity to hear their experiences, hear their stories um, and get the benefit of it, um, I certainly when I look back on the career, um, had that. And, you know, I think back to some of my uh, partners I worked with at Arthur Anderson, uh, they weren't shy about uh, growing, developing. I can still think about some of the conversations and some of the difficult conversations that I've had where I remember one conversation, a, a senior partner said, sat me down and said, OK, Tom, uh, we're not putting you up for partner this year. And um, the guy that you share a wall with, we are. And here's what he's doing that you're not doing. And here's what you're looking, uh, we're looking for you to do over the course of the next year or so. So this time next year, it could be a different conversation. And we believe as a group of partners that you have it uh, in you to be successful, but we need to have you uh, uh, with our help uh, grow and commit. Some difficult conversation, you go home, you're like, okay, he just told me I'm not good enough. But then on the next breath, he told me he and the other group of partners believe in me. And it's an investment of their time, their their efforts, partnering with me. And uh, yeah, six months, 12 months later, uh, there was a different knock on the door and said, OK, we're ready. You're ready. Uh, let's go for it. And um, so it's it's a journey where people are willing to give you the appropriate feedback that here it is. Here's what you got to do. And uh, are you prepared to, to take the journey? Because if you are, we're here to help. I think that's such a great example because it's that courage and the willingness to give the person the feedback, but it was specific enough that you knew what to do. Because I think sometimes all, all people are left with is you're not good enough and go figure it out. So I, I love that there was a vision of what's possible and clarity on what you needed to do to get there. I think for all of us giving feedback to others to take Tom's example and think about you know, when you see that gap for someone, how can you clearly articulate what it is and to encourage them to cross it with their support and then, you know, the successes in the future. And one of the things I would say is having been on that side, the other side of the table and, and having that conversation, you as a leader can't avoid the conversation. You as a leader have to spend the time mm-hmm. thinking, um, reflecting, role playing in your own mind as to, you know, what some of the reactions may be. Um, but you have to be able to demonstrate that you still believe in this person. Um, but make sure that the key messages are landing in terms of their growth and development. And uh, it's work. Um, so I can only imagine what uh, senior partner John did 20 years ago when 
he sat down and he had the credibility because I knew I was being treated fairly relative to my peer group. And um, so something I try to take on is to say, okay, it's a difficult conversation. Let's not avoid it. Let's prep for it. Let's think it through. Uh, let's role play it. And what are the key points that we want somebody to walk away from? And then the follow up, you know, don't let it linger. Um, you know, have that follow up a week or two later when somebody's processed it and say, okay, uh, are we ready to go? Let's go. So, so good. Such great advice. So one thing I wanted to double back on is your parents being immigrants. Where did they immigrate from? Uh, my parents are immigrants from Ireland. Okay. And they were big proponents of education. And you talked about it starts at home and generosity. So what would you say are some of the core values that you learned from your family that you then carry into your leadership? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they're big words, but um, I've seen it live most of my life. Um, integrity, hard work, um, you know, the big word for the hard work and homework is diligence, you know, do your diligence. Um, and, um, you know, hard work, perseverance, uh, you know, when you, when you have that setback, uh, find a way to work through it. And then ultimately, uh, recognizing none of us are perfect, it's the accountability. And, um, and uh, whether it's others mm. that have held you accountable or, you know, that self-reflection, self-awareness to say, you know what, I messed up. Quickly reset to say, apologize, messed up. Here's what I was thinking. Obviously, um, I didn't have it all pulled together. So I think about integrity. I think about diligence. I think about perseverance. And I think about accountability as some of the things that are balancing me both personally and professionally. Mm, thank you for that. That's that's terrific to know that you're so clear about what they are and that you have those to help you make decisions. I'm wondering, do you have an example of a time when you had to use your core values to make a decision or in hindsight, you realize it was something that compromised a core value? Any examples that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's things that you don't even think about, you know, from a time, you know, from time to time. But, um, you know, when I think about it is um, I think about when I was sitting as a CFO um, and um, we had an issue, we had an error and uh, and it was going to be a surprise. So I hadn't I hadn't done my homework. I was surprised. I hadn't uh, appropriately uh, communicated to my boss Um and it was the type of issue that needed to go to the board. And so do I avoid it? Do I say, no, 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 let's, we now have identified something. Um, integrity is that you put it on the table. Uh, the accountability is to say, don't get deflected because you're responsible as the CFL. So um, there's always going to be uh, opportunities to get better. Um, but then it was a series of difficult conversations, difficult conversations with um, the CEO, because it kind of gives you pause when there's, there's a surprise. Um, difficult conversations when he knows he needs to then go to the board and we have to go to the chair of the audit committee and have that conversation. Um, but um, also a recognition that, um, you know, you had built up goodwill, you had built up credibility and uh, people were willing to give you that grace um, because you were owning it. And uh, so the set level of accountability and, and the integrity to say, this is wrong and I can't, you know, now that I know about it, I have to put it on the table and I have to disclose as appropriate. 
Mm. Oh, thanks for sharing that example. I'm sure it's even hard to think back to that time. It sounds painful <laughs> and really uncomfortable, but a great example of putting those core values into practice. And, you know, knowing your core values, yes, it helps you make decisions, but it doesn't make those decisions easier. They're just, you know, it just makes them more grounded in, in what you believe in. And I think they're also a great example of your mindset. You know, you, you you have a mindset of let me always find a way to grow. Let me look for um, opportunities to do this better. Even the example you gave about feedback and your receptivity and your really expectation of getting feedback so that you can continue to improve. So what could you share with us around mindset as a component of generous leadership? Yes. Yeah, so um, as a leader, we're, we're constantly challenging ourselves. And um, even today as a leader of uh, an organization, as you cited at the opening, um, with two and a half million members that we serve, we have 4,500 employees around uh, New York State. Um, and we're working with over 60,000 employees across the country. And it's um, important to have a culture, right? And, and, and a culture of one where um, it's okay uh, to get feedback, and um, we've all been there where you had the best of intentions of giving someone feedback and it breaks down. It breaks down where it becomes emotional, it becomes defensive, it becomes um, a, a feeling of personal attack versus uh, if I go back again to my Anderson experience, the first time I got a 360 review. Uh, well, the first time I got upward feedback, I guess it was upward feedback and read it. And I had the natural human reactions is, well, this isn't true. You know, this person doesn't have the perspective. They don't really understand what, what the challenges are. Um, and then when you stop, you pause, you reflect, you realize, oh, I do that when I'm under pressure. Um, I don't even realize that this is an outcome. Um, I don't even realize the, the downstream implications of it. So, um, you know, from that experience, um, I try to have an open mind about feedback because think about the courage you took on the other side to say, hey, when you have a moment, um, I got something. And rather than be defensive, which would discourage, you know, someone coming back, uh, absorb it. And more senior you are, sometimes you just got to own it, even if there is that but. Um, and uh, because people have to feel comfortable and confident that you're willing to learn and grow and then realize, okay, I can be better. And standing, you know, gives you that goodwill or that equity. You're not playing gotcha with the person, but when you come back and you're providing your own feedback, um, the person says, okay, it is a two-way street and um, the intent is good, the purpose is good. And um, versus that negative, defensive, you know, personal and it seems to happen more often in my personal life where, you know, these these intended conversations don't go as well as uh, they do professionally. Um, um, but uh, some of the lessons learned. <laughs> Those are great lessons learned. And what an awesome way for us to look at feedback from that growth or fixed mindset. Right. Because that fixed mindset gets gets offended, like you said, is is not receptive and and is denying some of those points of feedback with that growth mindset, I think it's reflective of your core values, 
right? That integrity, that discipline, the accountability you talked about, perseverance. Like, let me figure this out. Let me use this as a means to be a catalyst for my own improvement. And then something that you said at the beginning of that piece was around culture. And you were talking about culture. I know that's a big uh, emphasis and priority for you at Fidelis Care. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts around culture and generosity. Like how can a culture encourage generosity in your experience? I'll allow me. Well, first, when you think about a culture is what's the purpose? And um, I'm going to serve two and a half million to here because we have, you know, we focus on our mission and our mission is to help um, vulnerable underserved populations uh, secure and access quality health care. Um, so they have a purpose. Um, but then um, when we think about our culture, we got to think about our culture as to what do we want to be part of? And certainly when I look back and look at the happy times in my life, it's when I shared su- success I shared milestone with other people and um, a culture of giving um, and giving is of time and experiences and um, a culture of collaboration, partnering because there's a recognition, diversity, uh, different backgrounds, different skills, different experiences um, and um, a culture of uh, partnering, um, making sure that uh, you have Um, the right people in the room, not necessarily an echo chamber, uh, but a group of individuals that uh, are going to look at the issue, not in their silo, but look at the individual and that broader purpose that or mission that we have is to say, well, how does this impact the member? How does this impact the provider? What do we need to be doing? And uh, that in, in my view and experience can only happen if you're collaborating you're sharing, you're partnering, and you have an environment where people are giving up time and experiences. What a beautiful thing, right? To focus on the mission, make that your target at all times, and then asking those questions like, how are we getting there? And I love your idea about doing it together, like sharing that experience, doing that with your partners. You use the term collaboration and shared success because, you know, you could get to the top of the mountain and if you look around and you're by yourself, it's like, you know, what, what, who, who do I share this with? And for most of us, we can't get to the top of the mountain in the business sense without others anyway. So it's a, uh, you know, mis- misconception if we think we're doing it all on our own. So I love, I love exactly what you're saying about the giving time, experiences, the diversity component of, of generosity and culture. It's, it's just terrific. What are some of the things that you do to make sure that's happening in your organization? Well, um, again, I go back to my professional services uh, experiences where there was always an investment in my career. Uh, and the organization was being deliberate and intentional of growing, developing, um, building, you know, early in the career was the technical skills, the hard skills. But as I, as I grew, it was more of the softer skills, uh, whether it was communication, whether it was decision-making, whether it was um, partnering, collaboration. So um, one of the things I worry about in a remote hybrid environment is how are we staying connected? How are we growing and grooming Mm-hmm. Uh, our people so that uh, we can stay aligned. Um, we don't need to be connected or in the room together consistently, but we need to be 
regularly intentional about it. So one of the things that uh, we launched in the last year or so is a accelerated leadership program for our uh, middle to rising senior managers and um, took the opportunity to be intentional about it. And it actually came from an outgrowth of a dinner conversation with two of our rising stars and uh, realizing that they were getting the uh, recognition in their day-to-day job, but they were having the doubts and the uncertainty as to this broader career and how does it fit in. And it was a little bit of that aha moment for me sitting listening to two people that, you know, clearly uh, strong performers struggling with this. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we've all done this before. So with the accelerated leadership program that we launched a year ago, I've been intentional about helping people develop those softer skills, intentional about helping people partner and build relationships, uh, intentional about getting exposure to senior people. You know, uh, sometimes all people see of me is getting on a screen or get on a stage mm-hmm. and not realizing what may have happened the five minutes ahead of time or what, what it took um, uh, to deliver the message. And because the message may be hopefully clear and maybe crisp, but it took weeks to refine it and giving people an opportunity to realize that it takes time um, and it takes investment. And um, so uh, we're concluding year one. Uh, anytime I run into uh, individuals that are in this leadership program, I said, how is it going? And then I just sit back and listen for 10 minutes because the energy, the joy, the passion. And I'm like, OK, great. And then I generally ask the next question. OK, now you've gone through it. What suggestions do you have for the future? Right? What should we be doing next? And um, because it is a continuous journey. So that's one of the things that uh, uh, we've committed to as an organization is developing and letting people know that, um, and I was taught this early in my career, your probably most valuable asset is in your house, is in your car, uh, it's your career. And what are you doing to feed your career? What are you doing to encourage it? What are you doing to get the appropriate exposure? Build a network. How do you build a network so that uh, you're surrounding yourself with people that uh, get to know who you are as a person? And then come on, you can have those honest, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Or I'm really scared about this type of situation. Um, and um, so the feedback on this program has been positive. You know, we're committing ourselves to year two. Um, and then we're saying to ourselves, what does year two look like? And how do we continue to grow and enhance it? Uh, so we put our people in a position where they have the confidence, they have the tools, uh, they have the softer skills, and then they have this group of partners mm-hmm. that they're connected with. Uh, so when they're having a tough day, they can pick up the phone and say, hey, um, here's what I'm dealing with. How would you suggest I deal with it? Yeah, thank you for that. It's such a great thing for our listeners to consider is how are they investing in their talent? You know, what are the things that you can do formally and informally to create a culture where people are invested in? in all kinds of ways. And this this way, there's a, a variety of investments that you're making for them in their network and in each other and in their learning and their strategies. Um, but then to think about how, what the role you play, like you said, you know, they may not even have access to me otherwise. So how do I make myself available? And I think these are all great examples of what I was saying in your intro about your ambition for excellence is you're looking for strategic ways to get further, faster. And, and then there's also, 
residual benefits from an investment like that, like retention and and attracting talent, because people want to go to organizations where they can grow and where they can be invested in and that they have a career path. So I think there's a lot of benefits from that. Uh, so talking about return on generosity, something you and I both believe in, how do you see a return on generosity in general? Um, I guess I see it a couple of different ways, Shannon. You know, first, um, you know, selfishly, you hear the joy. You hear the joy in in people's um, voices and in their experiences. Um, the joy from my experience where, oh, wow, they just moved up a couple of steps in their confidence curve. And now they believe they can do it. And, you know, when you get to you get uh, to the point where you're developing skills, soft, hard confidence, um, the return becomes, like you said, becomes around retention, around engagement. And as leaders, we can't be everywhere. So all of a sudden now, if you've you know, created a multiplier effect where you now have people that have the confidence, the skills to address the problem or even anticipate the problem, then all of a sudden it's like it becomes a mindset to say, this is who we are. This is what we're about. Again, coming back to purpose, mission, and realizing that, you know, I can't wait for the top to roadmap what the the solution is because I'm here, I'm interacting with it. So it's creating a multitude of individuals who have the, the ability to anticipate, solve, and partnering uh, in terms of serving our mission, our organization. Mm, that's so well said. That joy, the joy you were talking about that you feel and and like when it's a cultural norm, then it then it's makes sense for us to operate like this, right? It's like you're creating a culture where people are looking out for each other and they're trying to support each other. They're willing to give feedback to others. And they're also willing to ideally ask for help. So curious to get your thoughts, Tom, on the willingness to ask for help and how good are you at that? And, you know, how do you see that as a component of a generous culture? Um, Asking for help is something you have to learn. Asking for help at times could be viewed as a weakness. It could be viewed as I'm exposing myself that people think I'm, you know, I have all the answers and now I'm saying I don't. I think what you learn is um, when you humble yourself to uh, acknowledging you don't know and to get into a room with a, you know, generally a small group of leaders and say, okay, here's what, here's what we're facing. Um, here's what I know. Here's what I'm thinking. I feel like we have gaps. I need help. And all of a sudden, then it becomes an invitation for people to jump in and potentially reframe the issue, potentially address it in a way you hadn't been thinking about it. So um, and when you walk out of the room, it's not it doesn't matter whose idea it was. It doesn't matter how we got there. It's did we accomplish what we were looking to do? Did we address the issue um, as as effectively as we could? So. Um, asking for help is is hard, um, and uh, once um, once and this is where you know building relationships becomes critical because uh, once you have that comfort level, um, you're more apt to go into a room where hey, they're not going to judge, um, not going to not going to be criticized, um, versus 
all right, I know I need help. And am I going into the right room? And how do I ask for it? And again, the benefit of time and experience is um, those times I didn't ask for help, it only became a bigger problem. And, um, and, and more often than not, it was, why didn't you come sooner? Uh, why didn't you raise your hand? And uh, again, we're, we're, we're humans and I'm a big believer in body language. Like, you know, the ability to, to read somebody's body language and realize something's off and, and it's a little bit of what I worry about again, you know, when you're not as connected on a daily basis on, you know, how many times you have the conversation with somebody and they say all the right words more, um, but you're reading into the tone and it's like, oh, there's something wrong, right? But all right, I got to run off to my next thing. But if they're in the room and you're looking at the body language, you know, you could say, hold on a second, everything. Okay. Uh, how can I help you? And all of a sudden it becomes an invitation. So, yeah, I think that's another generous leadership attribute is noticing those nonverbal cues and then responding to them because we could notice it and then just say, ah, they might be having a bad day or I don't have time to ask, but saying, you know, I don't have time not to ask because this is a person in my community that I want to check in with and make sure that they're being acknowledged. And if they want an outlet to talk about something that I'm here for them. Um, and I think it goes back to what you're saying about one of the values of accelerating leadership experience is the network and thinking about who to, who to reach out to, who to ask for help and to, you know, who are those people in your professional and personal life that you can go to for that kind of support and, you know, that you have those resources. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it takes time. It takes time. Um, and, I, you know, I think about it. It's, it's, um, it's the time you spend in, in conference rooms. It's the time you spend uh, over meals. It's the time you spend on, on the road. Um, and um, it's making those investments and at times making yourself vulnerable and letting people know that, you know, I don't have it all pulled together. And um, here's the things I'm struggling with and here's where I'm trying to solve for it. And people then realize, oh, wow, okay. Um, we're now making a human connection that allows us to figure out how to, how to uh, grow. And then when you get, you know, you get into those moments where you need to go fast, uh, it's important to have built the trust. Absolutely. So we end every episode with an ROG takeaway tip so that our listeners can try to apply what they've learned to their own life because they've got different circumstances and career paths, but they can glean some of this wisdom from you and think about how can we put this into play. So here's a couple of things that I've taken away from this conversation. There's a lot of them. So I'll listen to this again. <laughs> but one of them is around feedback and both how I receive feedback, that receptivity and humility and that growth mindset of looking for ways to improve. And then also how do I offer feedback that I think about, that I prepare to your point, how do I position it in a way that's both encouraging and clear and fair and actionable. So how do I really manage feedback? And then another key takeaway for me, Tom, is the focus on the mission and to get really centered on what am I, what is the purpose? What is the mission? How can we create a culture where everybody gets it and is excited about it, understands why this is so important and the role that they play in getting there? And then one last thing is around the investment, be it, you know, your time, your talent, your energy and a learning experience a mentoring 
partnership, just in the, the investment in people to to try to make the difference. What else would you want to offer to our listeners? So um, not to oversimplify it, but it's about building relationships. Uh, if I think back on three of the organizations I've worked for, uh, there's a comment or a statement that's been made that resonates. So Ann Anderson, uh, the only mistake you make is the money you make by yourself. When I was at Huron and I was in financial services and in consulting, trying to sell work, I had a, a boss that said, Tom, people have to get to know you before they like you, before they can trust you. And trust is where people then make buying decisions in terms of your services. So again, the critical nature of building the relationship. And then in my time here at Fidelis and Centene is find your partners, find your partners. And, you know, three different statements said three different ways, but simplified to say build relationships and uh, do in a way that allows for growth as an individual, uh, allows for um, growth as as an organization, as a team. And build that and then role model what it means to, to, to build relationships. And um, you know, again, uh, when the time comes and you're faced, facing adversity, whether it's personal or professional, um, if you invest the time in building relationships, people will go fast. Um, and if you haven't, then it becomes really, really hard work and uh, difficult to, to succeed on so. You know, I guess my takeaway tip uh, for you, Shannon, and, and the listeners is investing the time to build relationships. Fantastic. What an outstanding takeaway tip. Great way to illustrate that, to give us all of those different angles on why relationship building is so important. And I really think that's the essence of everything you've shared with us today, right? Because all of these investments that you've been referring to, both individually and culturally, are investments in building relationships. So thank you for offering us all of that wisdom and for investing in our relationship. And I really appreciate you as a human being, as a leader, as a culture carrier and creator, and as an ROG guest. So thank you for being here, Tom. Thank you, Shannon. Appreciate it. And uh, look forward to staying connected. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.